And we are back with part two of this week's podcast royal episode. Rachel, are you ready to jump into royals around the world? Let's do it. All right. Since our last recording, we have been celebrating King Carl Gustav's Golden Jubilee. So last week we shared that the King of Sweden would be celebrating 50 years on the throne. And I am happy to report that it was a very successful event. And we did, in fact, get to see our princesses in ball gowns and tiaras. Mm. Have you seen any of the coverage on this, Rachel? I'm going to be honest with you. I have seen mention of it. I have not done a deep dive into the looks yet. So, well, I know you were so busy covering Invictus Games coverage. Yes, that was the main focus last week. I've got all the updates here. Let me tell you, this event was so royal. I mean, it was traditionally royal, just what you think of when you hear royal celebration. I mean, the gorgeous palace, the white tie dress code, and of course, sparkles. I loved the photos coming out of this event and all of the beautiful dresses that we saw. So as I mentioned last week, there were a number of royals in attendance from countries across Europe. And I have to talk about the fashion at this event. So lots of beautiful, colorful gowns throughout all of the events this past week during the Jubilee. But there were a few from the white tie gala that really stuck out to me that I want to chat about here. So first, I want to talk about the heir to the Swedish throne, Crown Princess Victoria. Mm. She was in a blue v-neck sleeveless gown that had this ombre effect. So the top of the gown was a very pale, almost white, light blue, and it gradually got darker into this rich, bright blue on the lower part of the dress. And it was truly a full ball gown with a big skirt. Did you see that dress, Rachel? Yes, that is the one that I did see was hers. I was going to say, if anybody was all over the internet, it was probably the future. Yes, I did. (laughs) Okay, so that was our first one that really stuck out. Then there was Princess Sophia. Now, as a reminder, she is the daughter-in-law of the king. Um, She was in this off-the-shoulder pale yellow dress. It had a much more fitted silhouette than Victoria's. And there were these long pieces of fabric coming off of the back of the dress, like behind her shoulders. Mm -hmm. That kind of gave this cape effect, but it didn't go all the way across the back. It was like two separate ribbons of fabric going off of each shoulder. And I really liked this one. This to me felt like, old school royal, like Mm -hmm. something that you would see in a picture of a royal event that would be totally timeless. Like it would not go out of style. So that one really stuck out to me as well. Yeah. All right. Lastly, my personal favorite was Princess Madeline's silver embellished. I love her. She's probably like one of my favorite royals of all time. She, yeah, yeah, she is really, she's so beautiful. She has a great fashion sense. Okay. This dress was I mean, it was stunning. The skirt was pretty full, not quite as full as Victoria's. It had this small sheer embellished piece that draped over the shoulders. I shared a photo of Madeline on our Instagram at this event, and she looked so lovely. And let me just say, it's no surprise it was my favorite dress because it was a Jenny Packham gown. Oh, we love some Jenny Packham over here. Yes, we are very familiar with Jenny Packham because of her beautiful pieces that we've seen the Princess of Wales in. And, you know, several others lately have been seeming to take inspiration from Catherine's Jenny Packham looks. We've seen other celebrities um, like Martha Stewart and um, I think um, 
uh, Ivanka Trump in yes, Ivanka Trump. So I think Madeline really nailed it with this dress. Um, again, it was my favorite look, and I think a lot of people would agree with me on that one. Yes, I have not done, again, I've not done the deep dive on, on this. I saw coverage of it happening in kind of in the background, but I'm looking at Victoria right now, and I love that color. I love that ice blue color. Yes, so gorgeous. Okay, all three women were also in tiaras for the gala, as well as the queen, and I want to talk about a couple of them for a second as well. So. I have to say Crown Princess Victoria's tiara reminds me of the Queen Mary fringe tiara worn by both the late Queen Elizabeth and Princess Beatrice on their wedding days. And um, there, there is a photo on Instagram. If listeners need a visual, Rachel, you've got a photo here. But do you mm-hmm. agree with me? Doesn't this look like it the- does? Yeah, it does. It That's stunning. So if, if you're not familiar off the top of your head, it's like, I don't even know how to describe it, but sort of like long long uh straight pieces of diamonds coming off of the (laughs) yeah how do you even describe that I don't don't know and it comes like a higher point in the center there uh very similar tiara to what we've seen some of our British royals in Mm -hmm. I also want to talk a minute about Princess Sophia's tiara so to give you a little bit more on Sophia she is married to Prince Carl Philip he is the son of King Carl Gustav of Sweden And she wore a tiara that we've seen her in several times. So this is called the palmette tiara. And I would venture to say it's called that because it has this little pattern that is quite similar to a palm leaf, if you look at it very closely. Mm, Okay. So, okay, the tiara was a gift on her wedding day from her mother and father-in-law when she married into the family. So, of course, her wedding day in 2015 was the first time that we saw the tiara, and it was lined with a top row of stones um, being emeralds. So think of the tiara as having diamonds all over it, but the top ones right across, you know, just the top part of the tiara were emeralds on the top. So, okay. Mm -hmm. In 2017, we saw her in the tiara again, but she had changed the top row of emeralds to pearls. Hmm. And then in 2019, we saw her in the tiara again with the top row having been changed to turquoise stones. So she's gone through a lot of transformations with this tiara. And every time it has been eye-catching and stunning. And I teased listeners on Instagram. I put a picture up of several variations of this over the weekend. And I said, look at this photo and remember it for our podcast episode next week because we're going to talk about it. So, okay, 2022, we saw her wearing it again. And she had changed the stones out to some type of muted blue gemstone. They were very pretty. I don't know what kind of How gemstone. How easy is it to just change the, the tiara? Like, I have no idea. And I, don't I don't think don't the, like, the British royal family's tiaras like, have ever really changed. And she's changing this like every year. Well, and I also wonder where the stones go when she takes them That's out. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, are we going to see them back again someday? Like, is, are they in the <laughs> vault? Where, like, what's going on? Well, she does a great job with matching the rest of her jewelry and her outfit to coordinate with whatever the stone is on the tiara. So, I mean, it's been very versatile. It's one that she can rewear over and over again in photographs without it feeling tired. So I do really like that about it. Um, and so, of course, lastly, we saw her at the Golden Jubilee this last week, and she was wearing the tiara again, but this time it had a new setting of citrine stones, which, of course, complemented that pale yellow gown she had on. And I just thought that was such a cool story about the palmette tiara. I love that. 
I mean, like you said, I don't know that there's another royal that we've seen do this to a piece of jewelry. So really, really cool. Yeah. And she looks stunning there. But I just like, I mean, I know that Camilla changed uh, her crown for the coronation, but that's like the only time I've ever really heard of a tiara or a crown changing like ever. Well, and almost, it seems like almost every two years. That's what I'm saying. She hasn't just done this one time. She changes it like every time she wears it. I mean, look, if you've got the gemstones, the jewels sitting in your crown jewels and you're just like, I want to shake it up, then why not? But I mean, that that is, it is beautiful. I will say that. Well, if you haven't checked out the Instagram post, you can go through and scroll through all the different variations of the tiaras. And like I said, she matches them with her outfits and her other jewelry. So it really pops, you know, when mm-hmm. she's got a different stone, you'll definitely. That is it. cool. And by the way, you asked me um, on the last episode, who would I pick Peter Phillips or um, <laughs> and I would pick Prince Carl Philip of Sweden over everybody. No, hands down. Like- choice (laughs) Mm -hmm. the hottest probably I would argue the hottest royal in the entire world (laughs) okay well while we're on tiaras I also have to mention Queen Sylvia's massive tiara so we have talked on the show before about how Queen Camilla loves some big jewels and giant tiaras on her head but I think Queen Sylvia may actually make Camilla's look maybe understated that is a hell of a tiara right there that is how that is how you do a crown right there Sylvia was in a yellow ball gown which I have to believe was a nod to the fact that it was a golden jubilee Uh and she was wearing her Braganza tiara which was made in the 1800s in Brazil and it's made its way to the Swedish royal family through marriage and family ties which we'll we'll hop into really quick I found a little history lesson here so According to the court jeweler, Emperor Pedro I of Brazil gave the tiara to his wife, Princess Amelie of Leuchtenberg. And then after her death, it was inherited by her sister, Queen Josefina of Sweden, and it stayed in the family ever since. And we have seen Queen Vic- Queen Sylvia wear it several times over the years. I have to say she does wear it very well. Mm-hmm. But one thing I really want to know, Rachel, is how much does this thing weigh and yes. what neck exercises must one do to be able to balance it on your head all evening? I That is my first thought as well, is how much does the thing weigh? Because that, that looks very heavy. I mean, this lady must have some strong neck muscles. Well, she's been doing it for 50 years, so she's got some practice. So that was just a quick rundown of some of the fashion. I love that, Jessica. You know I love history, and that that's great. Awesome. Well, we also got an official group photo of the Scandinavian heads of state together at this event, and that included King Carl Gustav of Sweden, of course, and Queen Margaret of Denmark, who was the only lady in the photo. And the only queen, birth queen out That's there. That's true. That's true. Yes. And then we saw King Harold of Norway, the president of Iceland, and the president of Finland. So that was probably a rare photo occurrence, I would say, of all of them together. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, they're getting, they're getting up there in age. So there might not be many more of, of all of them together. Well, it was a great photo. Um, and I will say Queen Margaret had a rewear of a dress that we saw her in earlier this year as well. It was that white one with the bright pink pattern. Oh on yeah. It. I remember that. Mm-hmm. Yep, Very recognizable. 
Finally, the Swedish Royals wrapped up the Golden Jubilee in really big style. So on the last day, the King and Queen processed through Stockholm on a horse-drawn carriage. And the Queen was in yellow. Again, she had a yellow skirt and jacket combo with this matching pillbox hat and a classic black quilted Chanel bag. And I have to say, her style is very Jackie O to me. Very Jackie O, that pillbox hat. Mm -hmm. I know others have noticed this. Yeah, you can see in the photo I put down there. Um, and, and I've seen that with her in other outfits that she's worn as well. So it wasn't just this event. Yeah, she looks, I, you know, I, I am about to say bring back the pillbox hat, but then if that ever should happen, I will regret saying that because I don't want to have to wear a hat like they did. In the I don't 50s. know. I kind of love it. <laughs> I mean, I love it too, but then like to like, I mean, hats were like a daily part of a woman's life in the, in the fifties. And I don't know if I can hang with that, but she, I love that. Like I, now it makes me want to go get a Jackie O inspired look. Definitely. They're hard to find, but I like that color too. Yes. Okay. So following the procession, they rode a short distance by classic limousine car. And then maybe the coolest of all, Rachel, they stepped onto a barge and traveled along the river in this barge that looked very much like a fancy gilded royal mm. carriage on top with this boat design on the bottom. That's that in the photo that you can see down there. So that well, is so cool. I mean, it really is like the, like the golden state coach almost, but it's, yeah, that is fantastic. I haven't seen that before. Mm -hmm. Once they stepped off the boat, they closed the Jubilee with an outdoor concert. So, you know, the event was just a really big success, like I said, and I think it's a lot of fun to talk about this because we see and hear a lot about our British Royal Jubilees and these other royal celebrations just don't get as much coverage in the mm -hmm. news and I think it's really great to point out that others are also having these lavish historical celebrations and I love that they do it it seems like so much fun and I just think it's so neat to see these historical pieces like the carriages yes. the, the palaces um, and to see that they exist in other countries around the world even though a lot of these news outlets at least I'm speaking for the U.S. I can't say what others do outside of the U.S., but in the U.S., that is heavily focused on the U.K. and the British royals, and we just don't get coverage like this mm -hmm. of our royals around the world. So, well, and again, I if I've said this once, I've said this a million times. That is one of the things that I love the most about our show is that, and I'll be honest with you, other royal families around the world are far more. I'm being totally serious. Far more interesting than the British royal family. Not kidding. Including Sweden and I think Monaco and many others. And so, I mean, we're about to get into another story out of Norway. I mean, there's the British don't get to have all the fun. Okay, like it, there's plenty of other royal families around the world that are fascinating, and it's making me really excited because we have two more weeks of royal deep dive, and then we're going to move into a different segment, and it has to do with royals around the world, and I'm really excited for that. So that, first of all, A++, like all the applause for that segment, that was so fun, and I mean, I don't know the next time we're going to have a jubilee from one of our royal families around the world, but I hope it's soon, and I hope you'll do that again. That was awesome. Definitely. Well, we're still in royals around the world right now. So I want to talk about Norway for a minute. So Princess Martha Louise of Norway, she is a birth princess, but she's not a working royal anymore. She has finally, they've been together forever and engaged for over a year. She's announced her wedding date to Shaman Durek, who is her controversial fiance. 
this is this is a heck of a story and i we've talked about it on the show before i know because they got engaged since our show started but the two have been together since may of 2019 they got engaged in june of 2022 their wedding date finally has been announced and that will be august 31st 2024 and a statement from her parents, who are King Harold, who Jessica just talked about, and Queen Sonia said, the queen and I are delighted that Princess Martha Louise and Derek Verrett, I'm so used to calling him Shaman Derek, but um, they have announced their wedding plans today. We are happy to include Derek Verrett in our family and look forward to celebrating the big day with them. We wish Martha and Derek all the best. Then Crown Prince Hakan and Crown Prince Met Merritt, who I think we've mentioned randomly three episodes in a row now because there was the kiss and there was something else with them. And now this, um, they, so Hakan and Met Merritt are the brother and sister-in-law of Martha Louise. And they released their own statement and said, we congratulate Princess Martha and Derek Barrett on their wedding in August next year. We are happy for them and look forward to celebrating with them in yeah, I have no idea. Geranger. Um, we wish Martha, Derek, and the girls all the best for the future. So this is actually a bigger deal than it seems that the king and queen and crown prince and crown princess um, released those statements. So this is Martha Louise's second marriage. She shares three daughters with her ex-husband, Ari Bain, who unfortunately committed suicide in 2019, which was two years after their divorce. When she married Ari Bain in, um, gosh, I don't know when this was, like the early 2000s, she gave up her HRH status and an annual $1 million allow- allowance because he was a commoner. Imagine like wow. William William giving up his you know status because Kate was a commoner. It's just hard to believe. But back in 2007, which was long before Martha Louise met Shaman Durek, by the way, Shaman Durek is, uh, he's worked with the likes of Gwyneth Paltrow. He lives in California, um, Martha, but way, way, way before she met him, um, Martha Louise began claiming she was a clairvoyant and she opened up an alternative therapy center called her angel school to communicate with, with angels and the dead. Okay. Um, so, so I think a lot of people think that Shaman Dirk turned her this way. No, she was into, you know, clairvoyance and all kinds of stuff long before she met him. So many accused Martha Louise of using her royal title for commercial gain. After she started dating Derek in 2019, the two had a seminar, which of course they charged for called the princess and the shaman, which only further caused cries of Martha Louise using her title for commercial gain. So last November, Martha Louise fully stepped back as a working royal but it is, uh, and it is believed she's planning to join Derek in California. So there's a lot going on there. So congratulations to them on setting their wedding date. I think it says a lot that her mother and father and brother and sister-in-law are putting out public shows of support and saying that they'll be there. So good for family unity. Well, I was actually going to ask you, and you, you told us in your, in your little story, where they were going to be would they be in Norway or California so now we know yeah yeah so there's a really there's a lot of um uh, as I'm calling them exiled royals that are coming to the U.S. I mean obviously the most famous are probably Harry and Meghan but um, Martha Louise of Norway is there Um, Madeline of Sweden was well I think she's technically still there but they are moving back um Princess Mako of Japan is there and then of course the Denmark uh, Joaquin and his family are, are there in Washington, D.C. now, too. So there's a lot of European and even uh, the some members of the Japanese royal family here in the U.S. So 
we're, we don't have a royal family in the U.S., so we just take all of everybody else's royal family. We're making a potpourri of a royal family, I guess. So, all right, that's it for royals around the world. Um, let's jump into the royal deep dive. So today, as I said on the last episode, or not the last episode, but last week's episode, Today, we're talking about Princess Margaret. We have two more to go, and then we're going to do another segment in its place about royals around the world. But for today's royal deep dive, we have one of my favorite members of the family, and that is Princess Margaret Rose, who, of course, is the younger sister of Queen Elizabeth, who, and Margaret was born on August 21st, 1930, and she died on February 9th, 2002. I remember very vividly when she died. So Margaret's life changed drastically at the age age of six when her uncle King Edward VIII abdicated the throne to marry American divorcee Wallace Simpson. By the way, we're going to do a royal deep dive on Wallace Simpson in a couple weeks. She will be our last one. But up until then, Margaret and her older sister had been basically equals. But of course, that all changed when Lilibet became the heir presumptive to the throne. So at one point, Margaret was second in line to the throne. When she died, for context, she was 11th in line. And just as her elder sister was called Lilibet, Margaret's name within her tight-knit family of four was Margot. And she was actually originally planned to be named Anne, A-N-N, no E on the end, like Princess Anne. Um, that name, of course, ended up going to her niece, Princess Anne, who spells it a little differently, but same same concept. And Princess Anne, of course, is the queen's only daughter, but her father... King George VI, who was just um, birdie at the time, didn't like the name Anne. So the second choice, which was Margaret Rose, won out. Margaret Rose is a really nice name, but I really like the nicknames mm-hmm. and Lilibet. I think that's so cute. Margot is is great. And Lilibet is too, but I just, I like the name Margot. Like I would like, I mean, only Harry and Meghan could name their kid Lilibet, right? Like that's, that's such a unique name, but Margot that's a great name. That's a cute name. So Margaret, of course, lived through World War II. She was only 21 when her father, King George VI, died unexpectedly on February 6th of 1952. Of course, at that point, her sister became queen and Margaret's life changed once again. So Margaret was a socialite. I wouldn't, I mean, she was a working royal, but I wouldn't really call her a working royal as we think of it today. She was very much, she was keen to take all the good parts of royalty and leave all and leave a lot of the work behind. If we're being honest, she truly, as as I put it, she, I, I think she truly lived as a princess should. And in the 1950s, she was perhaps most known for the Peter Townsend controversy, which if you've seen The Crown, you know the story. So I'll just go through it briefly. So Margaret met Peter, who was an equerry, on his first day at Buckingham Palace back in 1944. Margaret was only 13 years old at the time. And keep in mind, as I'm saying this, there's so many parallels, by the way, between Princess Margaret and Princess Anne. And just keep in mind all that can happen in a generation. So compare the Peter Townsend story that I'm about to tell you with the Timothy Lawrence story. Timothy Lawrence was also an equerry um, to the Queen and just and and keep in mind how how much can change in a generation because Margaret of course had trouble marrying Peter Townsend whereas Anne married Timothy Lawrence and there was not much problem at all so anyway back in 1944 when Margaret met Peter she was again only 13 years old her older sister Elizabeth told Margaret of the very handsome Peter bad luck 
he's married, which he was at the time, but by the family's 1947 tour of South Africa, of course, that's the same tour that the queen gave that speech that I can't read without crying, but Margaret told friends she was in love with Peter, and they would often go riding together. Of course, Peter eventually got a divorce, and though Margaret was in love with him and he, her, divorce was, at the time, looked upon very negatively in the Church of England, of which her sister, Queen Elizabeth, became the head of when she became queen in 1952. Peter asked Margaret to marry him shortly before Christmas 1952, some say. Others say it happened in February February or April of 1953. But regardless, the queen, Queen Elizabeth, was on the throne and her coronation had not yet happened. So Peter was 15 years Margaret's senior. He had two children from his previous marriage. Regardless, they were found, quote unquote, found out at her sister's coronation in June of 1953. Margaret innocently picked off a piece of fluff mm-hmm. from Peter's clothes and that intimate gesture which Margaret probably didn't even think as she did it caused the world to realize okay these two are together well I just have to jump in here for a second I remember hearing that story for the first time and I just think that's so crazy that something so small gave it away mm-hmm. but then when you think about it I mean, would you be so bold as to pick lint off of someone's clothes if you weren't close to them? <laughs> no, pro- and probably like, no, not not if they weren't my friend or someone I was with or a family right. member or something like right. that. that. I mean, that's kind of an intimate little thing, right? Like you- It's very you know, intimate. Yeah. And, and your, your significant other. <laughs> well, and especially if this is someone like you wouldn't be a Princess Margaret picking- lint or whatever it will fluff off of someone's clothes that worked for the house like that that is that doesn't compute unless you were romantic that's that's another good point is just like rank like a, a royal exactly lint exactly off of who's not like a commoner that would exactly <laughs> yes yes so uh, queen elizabeth asked margaret to wait until after the coronation to take the relationship public i guess she kind of did that but it was at the coronation divorce really was seen that negatively at the time and it was thought that if margaret came out that she was dating a divorcee it could actually hurt the queen and her popularity so if you do the math peter proposed when margaret was 22 anyone under the age of 25 had to ask the monarch's permission to marry so the solution became send peter off to brussels until 1955 when margaret would turn 25 and then she can do as she pleases so interestingly enough did not know this it was prince philip who was most opposed to margaret marrying peter as he was incredibly protective of his wife the queen and did not want her new reign to be upended or marred by this quote-unquote scandal as we all know The romance between Margaret and Peter did not survive until 1955, and both went on to marry other people. It is wild just how much things have changed today in a relatively short amount of time. You know, what what are we, one generation later? And then three out of four of the queen's own children went through divorce and some remarriage after she had told, you know, her sister, tough luck for you, you know? And mm-hmm. then now, I mean, less than a hundred years later, we've got, you know, Prince Harry, who is, you know, the equivalent of, of princess Margaret, um, mm-hmm. married a divorcee and, you know, the family was very supportive of it. So when you think about the history of the world and, um, you know, one generation or two generations difference is, is a relatively short amount of time for public opinion to change well there's a book here and maybe i'll write it about the royal family and divorce starting with wallace simpson then going to princess margaret then as you said three of the four 
of the queen's kids divorced and now Harry and Meg. I mean, that's, that's, it's a very interesting through line to see what can happen in, in a generation. But so between the Peter romance dissolving and her own wedding day, Margaret's own wedding day on May 6th, of 1960 it this is great it I, I honestly in my wildest dreams I mean I, I actually don't wish that I had Princess Margaret's life because it was actually very <laughs> lonely but on its face Margaret lived the, the dang life okay like she was a princess but she didn't have to do a lot of the work of being a member of the royal family I just I'm, I'm thinking right now of that photo of her in the bathtub with her with this massive crown on her head and that mm-hmm. is like that is her right there so don't you don't you remember? Didn't we learn that the person on the other side of that picture was Mick Jagger? Was really? Are you kidding? No, I'm pretty sure I read that somewhere that it was, he was the other person in the bathtub. Okay, I didn't know that, but that fits into what I was about to say. So between the Peter romance dissolving in, in the mid 50s and her getting married in 1960, Margaret dated, reportedly dated over 30 suitors. That's a lot. That's a lot of people. Um, and the one that ended up winning her hand in marriage was photographer Anthony Armstrong Jones or Tony, who was named the Earl of Snowden upon their wedding. She, Margaret, became Countess of Snowden. So Tony and Margaret met at a dinner party in 1958, and she accepted Tony's proposal. Get this. I find this so interesting. She accepted Tony's proposal the day after learning from Peter Townsend that Peter intended to marry a young Belgian woman who is half his age and wow. looked almost exactly like Margaret. Like that gives me goosebumps because that is so sad. Like two people that really wanted to be together, Peter and Margaret, circumstances just kept them apart. And um, and I'm, I don't know Margaret, obviously, but I really feel like she always had feelings for Peter and probably he, her. And I just was just thinking, how must it have been for Margaret to watch Anne, her niece, be able to do what she could never do, marry the love of her life, despite a divorce. So anyway, so Tony and Margaret's wedding was the first royal wedding actually to be broadcast on television. This is 1960. Keep in mind. So it was watched by 300 million people. There were 2000 guests at the wedding in person. And like her sister before her, 13 years prior, Margaret wore a wedding dress designed by Norman Hartnell. So Tony and Margaret set, this is juicy too, Tony and Margaret set off on a six-week Caribbean cruise aboard the Britannia for their honeymoon. One of her wedding presents was casually the island the island of mystique which she traveled to frequently okay we've had lady ann glenn connor on the show which is still amazing i can't believe we had her on the show lady ann glenn connor's husband owned mystique and and gave that to margaret as a wedding present so that's like how we roll when in the in the royal family okay i was gonna say i i thought she, he didn't give the whole island, right? Wasn't it like 10 acres or yes, something? Yes, he gave, island? yes, that's a, that's a good clarification. He gave her a portion of the island. He didn't give her the entire thing. So that, that is a good, that's a good call out. So Margaret and Tony had two children, David born in 1961 and Sarah born in 1964. Sarah's married last name is Chato and her, and her sons, her son, that's a combination of husband and sons. Sarah's sons, the Chato boys, the Chato brothers are good looking. Look that up. Thank you later. (laughs) Um, She, Margaret, delivered both of her children via C-section per her request. So um, there you go. Okay, Rachel, I am 
sending you a photo. So I looked online and I, I want to clear this up because we did make a statement on the podcast. There is a photo on Google with Princess Margaret in a bathtub and Mick Jagger is in there with her. The only question though is- That is Photoshop. Is it, That's not I was gonna real. Say, is it Photoshopped? That can't, I, that, that, that is Photoshop. It has to be Photoshopped. <laughs> yes, that is a joke. No, okay, that's, so, no way. Okay, so, he looks so weird just sitting. No, that's Photoshopped. To clear it up, she probably was not in the <laughs> I knew it's I had a great seen the picture photo. anyway. It's a great I knew picture. I had seen the photo and read something and I was like, I don't know if that's actually that is real. that is fake, but it's it's a great photo with or without Mick Jagger involved. It's just a fantastic <laughs> photo. Um okay, so back to Margaret. I, mean, I love Princess Margaret. Like literally, she did not give a hoot. I almost said a bad word, but um, during their marriage, Tony and Margaret both had extramarital affairs, including perhaps most notably on Margaret's part, Roddy Llewellyn. He was 17 years Margaret's junior, and she was introduced to him on in September of 1973. And eventually she and Tony divorced in 1978. So if you do the math, the Roddy affair started five years prior. Margaret never remarried, although she and Roddy were paramours for lack of a better term, for a long time. And after their divorce, Tony and Margaret actually remained great friends, even though during their marriage, it was super volatile. They would leave horrible notes to each other, just saying the worst. I mean, this is all plays out in the crown, but just saying the worst things to each other, things that spouses should never say. Um, but by the way, during Margaret and Tony's honeymoon, Tony's illegitimate daughter Polly was born so there's one way to begin a marriage right with the, the birth of your child who wild <laughs> right if you again if you do the math Margaret and Tony had been together since 1958 they married in May of 1960 so that would have me meant that the that Polly was conceived in August I guess of 1959 very much while he was you know still with Margaret so there is I'm telling you when, when you do deep dives on on this family and honestly royal families around the world it's crazy like it's actually wild how these how wild these stories are but during margaret's lifetime she was a princess she was a socialite she was a fashion icon she eventually became a grandmother to four grandchildren she visited the u.s to much fanfare she danced the night away at the white house this was when lbj was in office she was also a heavy smoker she had a lung operation in 1985 and pneumonia in 1993 she had three strokes from 1998 to 2001. The fourth and final one took her life in 2002. And by the way, for context, out of the family of four, King George VI died in 1952. And then there was 50 years, almost to the day, actually, between he and Margaret's death. And then the the queen mother died right after died i think six weeks after so after 50 years of not having a loss queen elizabeth lost her sister who she adored and her mother within six weeks that just had and, and that was a jubilee year for her too so that's a lot going on so margaret was ever the one who did what she wanted margaret was cremated as opposed to the rest of her family Margaret's truly a fascinating character, a force of personality that deeply loved her sister, the queen, and whose sister loved her. And Mar again, as I said, Margaret's mother, the queen mother, died about six weeks after Margaret did in 2002. That had to be a devastating double blow for Queen Elizabeth. 
Definitely. And I think every time you share one of these deep dives, they get more interesting, Rachel. Margaret's so interesting. And so I told you guys, we have two deep dives left. So next week is going to be, we've already done Beatrice. So we're going to do Fergie and Eugenie together. And then our final deep dive is going to be Wallace Simpson. And then we're going to move on to the Royals around the world factoids, which I find equally as interesting. Awesome. Very exciting. And I'm glad we cleared up the Mick Jagger thing. So you that know. is such a fake photo, but that would be really cool. If that <laughs> this is why I shouldn't mention things that I just recall seeing and passing on. Yeah, the- but you fact checked yourself. <laughs> so there you go. Well, thank you listeners for joining us on part two of this episode. We had so much to cover this week. We wanted to break it up and uh, make it a little bit easier to listen. So hopefully you joined us on Wednesday for the Royal Rundown. And then again today on Friday for a little bit of fun recap of the uh, Golden Jubilee in Sweden and our deep dive on Princess Margaret. Please be sure to follow us on Instagram. We try to keep up with photos and headlines over there. We are at Podcast Royal. If you have questions or thoughts, you can always DM us on Instagram or send us an email to hello at Podcast Royal. I'm sorry, hello, Podcast Royal (laughs) at gmail.com. That gets a little confusing. I was going to say, we don't have our own (laughs) domain name yet, but maybe someday. One of these days. Mm -hmm. Okay, one more time. Hello, podcast royal at gmail.com. And thanks again so much for tuning into episode 107 of Podcast Royal. Bye. Bye.